G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, the dust is still settling in so many respects after Victoria's state election from last weekend. Uh, Let's talk through some of the issues about what's happened in Victoria. Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers back with us. Hello, Jenny. Welcome back to 2020. Good to be back on. Jenny, uh, I know that uh, the results uh, was a bit of a shock to some that Labor was elected there in Victoria. Uh, and, of course, uh, there's all sorts of things that people are saying, isn't it a schmozzle that's going on in the upper house? Uh, so many different uh, smaller, minor parties that have been elected or potentially elected into the upper house. Give us your overall impression of last week's election in Victoria. Yes, Neil. Well, I, I think that, you know, in Victoria, the polls had certainly been saying that Labor was sort of ahead. And as we always said, it, it, the only poll that counts is the one on the day. But it's turned out that that was perhaps uh, what was happening. I, th- I think there was a feeling in the electorate and certainly among Christians is that the Liberal Party wasn't really conservative enough. There was very little to do, differentiate them from, you know, the centre of politics or even, you know, the Labor Party. And so people had... Uh, then looked at, well, what am I, what's in it for me? So I think the big things that Daniel Andrews and Labor had pushed were things like jobs, public transport, education, and that actually made $24 billion worth of promises to the people as, you know, you're going to get this and this and this during the election. And I think people then think about, well, what's, what am I going to get out of it? Now, there was a big push from the unions in the campaign in the lead-up, and uh, there are things coming to light now about the way that the unions very, very uh, distinctly targeted various uh, people in the electorates. Well, that's right, and a very good article in The Australian by uh, the political editor yesterday was saying that there were six, they targeted six of the crucial seats, so four in what are called the sandbelt seats, seats that needed to be won by Labor to actually win the election, so they targeted those four. They did polling and then followed up in those. And two seats that had got, had been Labor and gone marginally Liberal, and that was Monbulk and Bellarine. And they did polling in those. They actually turned up on the polling booths and handed out how-to-vote cards. They said that they door-knocked 93,000 homes. They did 130,000 phone calls. And with the, with the polling, they, they said that if healthcare or emergency services were seen to be the, the highest priority for people in that area they, or for a person, they would actually then target, specifically target to have a nurse or an emergency services worker phone that person to talk to them about the issues and why they needed labour in power. And what they said was that of all of the people who were, they identified, you know, a number of people who were undecided voters and they said 73% of those actually ended up with follow-up phone calls agreeing to put the Liberals last. And so it was a very, very targeted campaign. And they say that we're planning to roll this out for the federal election as well. Now, in the lead-up to the election, we were talking uh, on a number of occasions about some of the policy platform of the Labor uh, Party. And now that they've won government in Victoria, what does that mean for days ahead when it comes to some of those sorts of policies which really do challenge our Christian values and our Christian religious freedom? Well, that's, that's 
certainly a big concern for churches and, and often I think the churches only got involved at the last minute, often only on one issue, which is the employment by Christian schools and religious organisations, perhaps rather than seeing the big sweep of issues where Labor was promoting quite uh, immoral policies, if you like, on, especially in homosexual rights and some of these other things, and to see the social engineering that was happening and a lot of people weren't looking at the big picture and I think failed to inspire Christians as to what the warnings were. And, of course, we often find that, you know, people we talk to, Christians across the board are voting, you know, Labor or Greens, and often without know, knowing what they say on these policies. But sometimes because, well, I've always voted that way. So what it will come down to, I think, Neil, is that the government uh, would say, they're already saying on a number of things, we have a mandate to do these things because we ever have gained government. Uh, it'll depend on what happens in the upper house. And I think that comes back to what your question before is, we're likely to have a number of smaller parties, micro-parties they're calling them, with seats in the upper house. And that's they've been gained by the way the preference deals have been done. Now, there was a collaboration between the Christian-based micro-parties. Is the likelihood that a DLP upper house representative uh, will be elected? I know that's not all completely decided yet. Well, it's... Uh, certainly, was it's been reported in the media as, as probably fairly likely. Uh, Rachel Carling uh, Jenkins is not actually declaring that she's won the seat at this stage, but it looks as though she may well win the seat in Western Metropolitan. Uh, we've also got uh, possibly two or three. Of course, they're all changing. You know, we looked at the figures earlier in the week, and it was only 59% of votes were counted, so they're still being counted, and things may change. And of course, the last position of each in each of the five seats in each region. That's the one where the big battles are going on at the moment. But it looks like we could have um, a country alliance person and they're quite fairly conservative based in the country. Uh, we could have a couple of shooters and fishers um, party people and we haven't ever had that in Victoria before. We could have this Democratic Labor Party person. And even in South uh, East Metropolitan, um, the last place, is probably being fought out between um, the Greens and uh, Danny Nalaya from the Rise Up Australia Party. So that's still uh, still being counted. In fact, the, it's a recount has been ordered there as well, we understand. So um, all of the preferences aren't put into the computer till uh, later this week. So we, don't, we won't know for another week or two uh, what the final position there is. But there could be several. And if they're conservative then they could actually work together and, and support perhaps the Conservative side of Parliament and, and actually try and make them more Conservative than they've been up until now. And, of course, the sex party, has that sex party representative won an upper house seat as well? Well, certainly the last time I looked at the figures, it looked like uh, Fiona Patton of the sex party and she's also uh, heavily involved in the Eros Foundation, which is the adult they call it the adult industry representative body, um, pornography, uh, sex shops, all sorts of things. So it looks like uh, she may well get a seat. I think that's in Northern Metropolitan. But uh, it's interesting with the smaller parties, the Christian parties, they, they, they organise their preferences so they perhaps highlighted a particular party in a region. So Australian Christians had looked at Eastern, Eastern Metropolitan and that was really a runoff between them and the third candidate on the Liberals' ticket who is actually pro-life and quite conservative and they actually swap preferences quite high up so uh, it looks like Vicky Jansen you know hasn't got the numbers there but the third person on the Liberal ticket who is pro-life actually has got in into that position so it's been a very interesting preference arrangement and uh, it looks like there may actually be some small parties.
And as we say, the dust still settling on what will be the outcome of the Victorian state election. Uh, but always good getting your insights, Jenny Stokes. And I'll point people to Salt Shakers, uh, saltshakers.org.au. Jenny, always good talking to you. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.